Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. We are one church that meets in various locations across Greater Manchester. For more information about who we are and where we meet, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. I would like us to think just for a minute um, about the very best friends that you've ever had. Okay, what is it about a friend that makes them like a best friend, a really good friend? Does anyone want to shout out? They're fun, they know you really well. They steal, they steal all your ideas and they wear your, the, your clothes. Yes, they lend you money. They still love you when you never get in touch. I like that one. Anything else? They're for you no matter what. <laughs> they give acceptable inappropriate humour or they just accept your inappropriate humour. <laughs> Very good. Oh, that's a good one. They tell you the truth even if you don't want to hear it. Yeah, that is good. Now, whether you are an extrovert or an introvert, having friends who are also following Jesus that know you well and love you well, despite all your imperfections, is really important. And we all need those kinds of friends. Um, and it's just as important to be a good friend as to have good friends because we were created for community. And last Sunday, Tom shared that our vision, our desire at CCM Gorton is that we would all grow stronger and deeper friendships with each other. That all of us, all of us would connect with other people at church, sharing something of who we are with each other in deeper ways. And that our love and care for each other um, would grow even stronger. And we know for some people that it's really hard stepping out and chatting to somebody new, um, but we also know that it's really good for us when we do that. It's really good for us and it's really good for them as well. Um, and as more people come to church, and we know that this church is growing, don't we? Um, we want everybody who walks through the doors at church, we don't want a single person to miss out on experiencing the love of Jesus through all of us here and not just on a Sunday morning, but all through the week. The way we love and care for each other matters because we all need love and we all need community and, and we, we need to be part of that. And, and more incredibly, perhaps, that when the whole church does this well, it shows the world that following Jesus is the most beautiful way to live. Just going to do a little twirl because I keep getting caught here. That's, that's better. I think that's fine. There we go. Great. Um, so we were talking about friendships and growing deeper friendships last week. This week, we're talking about and we're thinking about an even better friend that all of us who believe in Jesus have. Okay, I'm going to read from the Bible, um, John 15, if you've got it. Okay, it says this. I, verse 15, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. 
while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. This is Jesus speaking. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father has been made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Jesus says you are his friend. If you know Jesus, you really have the very best friend, better than any busy best friend that you have already, um, any best friend you could dream of, we can really know Jesus with us in our every day. Because the thing is, even our best mates will let us down sometimes. And, and it wouldn't be very healthy if we were to spend 24-7 with our best mates, would it? And even our Christian friends from church will let us down. We all get things wrong sometimes because none of us are perfect, but Jesus will never, ever let us down. When I was at school, I was really rubbish at PE. Apart from gymnastics, which we hardly ever did, but any team sports like hockey, netball, rounders, I was always one of the last kids to get picked. And um, team sports was just not my thing. And you know, I'd rem I remember standing in the rounders field, just willing the ball not to be thrown in my direction because I knew that inevitably if it came towards me I wouldn't catch it or if I did manage to catch it I'd immediately drop it and then I'd have to throw it to somebody and my throwing well anything can happen when I throw a ball I, most probably the throw would go in completely the wrong direction and I would see the faces of my fellow teammates on that field 
just kind of look down and mutter to themselves. And I would want the field to swallow me up. All my teammates cared about was winning and not looking stupid themselves. They didn't care about me and how I was feeling um, and I felt like a complete idiot. Now, I felt a bit like that the very first time I hung out with Andy and Vic because it was about 12 years ago and I didn't know them hardly at all. Nick and Sam and us and a few others had been invited round to their house for a games night, which is like my worst nightmare. And, um, and, and the thing is, I, I only really knew Nick and Sam well. I didn't know the other people well at all. And I really wanted to impress them because they were like super cool. And, um, and I felt like I was back at school and these new people were just going to find out exactly how rubbish I was at team games. But the thing is, now we've been friends for 12 years. And, and if Vic and Andy were to have a, a games night tonight, um, I wouldn't care one bit. And I would still get all the answers wrong. And my Pictionary pictures would still look like a toddler had drawn them. But, you know, I just don't care anymore. I don't care because they know me and they love me. And, and, you know, I can laugh and I can cry and feel completely safe with them because our friendship has developed over the years. They know me and they love me. And it's exactly the same with God. The more we know God, the safer we feel and the more we trust him. And the more we grasp about how much he loves us, the more we're free to be completely ourselves and the more um, joy that we get to experience. So since Tom and I have been leading um, CCM Gorton, the prayer that I've continuously prayed for all of us, including me, is that we, together, each one of us, would be growing um, in our relationship with Jesus. In faith, in love, in hope, in joy, not just on Sunday mornings, but, but all through the week, no matter what we're facing. We are growing in numbers, but I, what I long for is that each of us would be growing in our, in our love for Jesus and our understanding of how much he loves us. That we would be, be loving each other more deeply and we'd be loving him more deeply and, and we would know more deeply how much he loves us. Because the safer we feel with God, the more we trust him. The more we know of his love for us, the more we are free to be all that he created us to be and the more joy we get to experience. And so this week, I want to talk a little bit about that deep desire that I'm sure we all share, which is to deepen our relationship with Jesus, both on our own as individuals, but also together as family, as church. I heard this question um, asked a few weeks ago. As we go on in our faith, how do we open up deeper and deeper parts of ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? How do we make sure that we don't miss out on all that God has for us? It's really this question I want us to think about this morning. And if you were to ask yourself the question, where do I want to be in 10 years time? or one year's time, or six months' time, I wonder what you would say. 
I think the best answer to that question has got to be, I want to love Jesus more. I want to look more like Jesus. I want to grow in faith, in hope, in assurance, in joy, in grace. And I think most of us are here today because we've experienced and understood something of God and his wonder, and it has captured our hearts. His love and mercy have had such an effect on us um, that we've given up our Sunday mornings to pursue him. And isn't he worth pursuing? The incredible thing about Jesus is the more we get to know him, the more we long for more of him. And the more time we spend with him, the more we begin to look like him. The more we begin to care about the things that he cares about, and the more we care less about the things that don't really matter at all. We're all pursuing something or someone. We're all making something or someone a priority in our lives. And our hope at CCM Gorton is that all of us, every single one of us, would be increasingly growing more and more in love with Jesus and increasingly looking more and more like Jesus. The thing about any friendship is that it requires us to be intentional, doesn't it? That to put some effort in. You, you could hang out with somebody for years and years. You could be in the same church with someone for years and years, but unless you're, you put the effort in to get to know that person, you might really never get to know them beyond the shallow stuff. And it takes extra effort and faith to invest in our relationship with God because let's face it, we can't see him. He's not like we can't, he is here, but we can't see him. And we don't always feel like he's listening. And more often than not, when we pray, we don't get the answers immediately or how we expect them to happen. It's hard. And when life is full of people and situations that demand our immediate attention right now or take up our headspace, it's really easy to get distracted and not make God central in what we're doing. And the thing is, as well, it's really easy to look like everything is okay on the outside, but on the inside, feel completely lost and empty. We can fill our lives with busyness, spend our time doing great things for God even, but feel like we're running on empty. Jesus wants us to have a relationship with him that is constantly growing and changing and deepening as we learn to walk with him day by day with the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us and through us. And it's when we do this, we get to experience increasing joy, contentment and peace even amidst the difficult circumstances. This is what God is calling us into to get to know him more and more. And the good news is that if you're a believer here today, we've been given the Holy Spirit to help us do this. In John 14, just the chapter before, Jesus promises us the Holy Spirit and he calls him an advocate who will help us and be with us forever. It can feel hard I think, to pin down 
what the Holy Spirit is sometimes in our heads. The Bible tells us that we've got the Holy Spirit in us, but it can feel a little bit vague, can't it? And maybe we imagine the Holy Spirit to be a bit like a fairy godmother who we can call on when we're in trouble. But the Holy Spirit is way better than a fairy godmother. I love how Tim Keller describes being full of the Holy Spirit. He says, being filled with the Holy Spirit is being full of a person, full of Jesus. When I, met, when I first met Tom, he was all that I could think about and probably all that I could talk about too. I had, but, I had like permanent butterflies in my tummy and I lost a stone in weight. Oh, I wish that would happen again. <laughs> and, um, I, and I'd go to sleep thinking about him. I'd wake up thinking about him. I was, I was in love. And being um, full of the Holy Spirit is like being in love with Jesus. But it's way better. It's way better. It's having the most glorious person right in the middle of your life. It's having the ultimate friend alongside you all the time, all the time, as your helper, your comforter, your counsellor, always with you, wherever you are. This friend is better than any friend or relationship or, or, or anyone than you will ever meet. Tim Keller says, like Anna said, he's always willing to speak the truth to you, arguing against the enemies in your own heart, showing us where we're blind to our own sinfulness. Because he knows that's what we need. But he also reminds us that we are children of God. So when our hearts condemn us, he says there's no condemnation. There's no, he wants us not to sin, but he also says there is no condemnation. What a good friend he is. Our friend, the Holy Spirit, wants the very best for us. And he speaks freedom to us. He sees our addictions to chocolate and coffee, our phones, our careers to approval to control. He sees the way we get things wrong again and again and again, but he will never, ever give up and leave us alone. He loves us so much that he will make us all that God wants us to be if we allow him to. I once knew a man in his 60s who had developed a heroin addiction in his 20s, and as a result, he'd lost contact with his um, family and his friends, they'd given up on him. I guess his behaviour had been so difficult that they'd kind of put boundaries and shut him out of their life. Years later, he was no longer using heroin and he was one of the loneliest people I've ever met. I remember getting a call from him on, I think it was New Year's Eve, and on the other end of the phone, he was in floods of tears. And this 60-year-old man said over and over and over again to me, I want my mum. 60-year-old man, I want my mum. I want my mum. His mum had given up on him, like years and years before, because it was too hard to live with him. And, um, yeah, because his behaviour was so difficult, but no matter how bad 
things get in our lives, no matter our addictions or struggles, the Holy Spirit will never, ever give up on us. Isn't that incredible? Like the people that I want to give up on because of their addictions. But God sees all of our mess. He sees all of our struggles and he will never, ever give up on us. Wasn't expecting to cry, but you know, maybe you all were expecting me to. <laughs> um, this is the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us who are believers. You know, we've seen in John 15 that in order for the Spirit to work in us and make us more like Jesus, we need to believe and obey. We don't often talk about obedience, but we need to believe and obey. It doesn't just happen without us positioning ourselves before him to believe and obey. When we make God our number one priority, we are positioning ourselves before God to work in us and through us. Jesus explains at the very end of his time with his disciples that the most important thing for us to do is to remain in him. It's impossible to produce lasting, healthy, good for us and good for other people fruit without being connected to God. But anyone who remains in Jesus is guaranteed to bear good fruit. We remain in Jesus when we continue to choose to live God's way and not our way, even when we really want to do that thing that we just feel that little Holy Spirit prompting not to do. Even when it feels costly. So when our mates are doing something they shouldn't be doing and we walk away and don't do it because we're prompted by the Holy Spirit, we're choosing to remain in Jesus. Or when we're on our own and actually nobody else is going to see what we're doing and we, we fight that temptation and we ask God to help us and we don't do it, we're choosing to obey Jesus. And the thing is, if we're full of the Holy Spirit, if we're full of Jesus, he's right there with us. And so we're not actually on our own and he knows what we're doing. But we can, we can cry out to him and say, Holy Spirit, help me. This is too much. This is too hard. Please help me. And he will help us in those moments of temptation. It's worth asking ourselves the question regularly, is the way I'm spending my time reflecting on my desire to have God central in everything that I'm doing? Is what I am doing helping me to stay close to Jesus? Many years ago, I had a friend called Doug who became a Christian in his first year at uni and he was doing a PE degree and wanted to be a PE teacher. When Doug was in his second year, he, was, he, he almost gave up his degree because um, he was invited to join a, a, like a year out team who would go into schools and tell people about Jesus. And, um, and at the time, you know, he was this new Christian and I, I, I kind of was his friend and he was in my community group and I was supporting him. Um, at the time I counselled him not to do that, I thought that probably the wisest thing for him to do would actually be to carry on his degree and, and finish it and then maybe do a year out after that. I thought that was the most sensible thing to do. But, and Doug is now, he's an assistant head teacher, he's doing really well in his career. 
But shortly after uni, he walked away from God completely. And I often wonder to myself, if Doug had taken that, done that year out, whether he would still be following Jesus. You know, sometimes God doesn't want us to do the conventional things because he wants us to follow Jesus more. Um, and maybe, you know, Doug could have spent his whole teaching career with Jesus right in the centre of that. Absolutely. Um, but I do think it's worth reflecting every now and then about why we do what we're doing and why we value what we value and why we spend time doing the things that we're spending time doing them. Is it because we're living for God's glory or is it for another reason? Remaining in Jesus is to be utterly dependent on him and his word to us. Jesus remained in the Father by being utterly obedient to the Father, even to the point of death. Our life believing and remaining in Jesus will cost us. It's a narrow path. It's hard to follow Jesus. But it also leads us to the deepest joy and freedom than we can ever experience. As we look more like Jesus, we become who God created us to be, and that is the best feeling ever. God wants our joy to be complete. And he wants to protect us. You know, those things that we're tempted by and and he's calling us to obedience, he's not doing it to be mean, he's doing it because he wants to protect us. And he wants to protect our relationship with him. Remaining in Jesus, being full of the Holy Spirit, always leads to a life of laying down yourself for other people. And it always results in fruit. Fruit being, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. All of these things we need so much in our daily lives, don't we? And these characteristics reflect God. They point to God. They point other people to God. I am so blessed by the ladies that gather on a Saturday morning to pray. Their faith builds me up. And whenever we gather together on a Sunday morning or at a prayer meeting or we're just hanging out together, we we are building each other up. We're encouraging each other. Hearing about how God is working in our lives, how God is answering prayers, is, is, it builds faith amongst us, doesn't it? That's why we've loved hearing these testimonies over the last few weeks and, and why we want to keep hearing testimonies because as we hear about God at work in each other's lives, it builds us up. Our gathering together is not just about what we get out of it. Our gatherings are an opportunity to love and encourage others. Praying with others and for others is really hard because it's actually an act of faith, isn't it? So when we pray together, we're often, we're often not praying for ourselves. We're often praying for other people, for other situations. And, and it's, it's an act of faith because it's not about us. And often we don't see the answers to those prayers immediately. So it feels costly. We're so used to getting what we want immediately, aren't we? We we hate waiting. We hate waiting. If you're in the queue for McDonald's for more than like 10 minutes, you're like, oh, you know, we hate waiting. We've got 
Amazon next day delivery, we've got fast food, catch up TV. Um, you know, this is, this is a terrible confession, but when I was younger and I'd go to prayer meetings, the very most boring prayer meetings were the prayer meetings that w- were about countries over the other side of the world. And, and uh, I really struggled to pray. You know, when we pray for wars and different things that are going on in the world, I just was like, this is so boring. But I've realized the reason it was so boring is because ultimately it's not about me. And what's going on on the other side of the world is least likely to impact me and my life. So it's easy to pray for my church. It's harder to pray for Denton. You know, it's easy to pray for things that are about me, but it's harder to pray for something that's happening across the other side of the world. It's an act of faith. Can you see, though, how your personal relationship with God actually has a wider impact on not only on the believers around you, but also people who aren't in the church yet? The way we respond to suffering all the challenges we face, the disappointments we face, the good, the good things that happen to us, all have an opportunity to give glory to God. When we respond to that friend or colleague with patience, when instead of being full of anxiety, we're filled with peace, when we're able to trust in God's timing and not our own, when we consider others before ourselves, when we live generously, when we're overlooked but respond with grace, when we're disappointed but respond with faith, God is glorified. I've started um, having like an external supervision session once a month because of my safeguarding role at church. And it's a little bit like having a therapy session. Highly recommend it to all of you. And um, the lady who counsels me at the end of the, kind of after she's listened to me, She always points me back to God and she will ask me, how do you see God being glorified in this situation? What a a question that we should keep asking ourselves all the time. Whatever situation or circumstance you're facing, God is able to be glorified. It happens through us remaining in him, clinging to him, trusting him and in his timing. When we remain in Jesus, the Holy Spirit stands with us in our time of need. He is the best friend we could ever have. And he wants the best for us. He wants us to experience a life full of joy. And we would all know what it's like to have the very best friend in our lives walking with us day by day. Thanks for listening. To explore this sermon or learn more about our church, please navigate to the links provided in this podcast description. From there, you can connect with us on social media and you're welcome to check out the music links featured in this episode. From our very own musicians. You can also discover current events and information about where we meet on Sundays and various groups or community projects that you can join in with. If you're interested in knowing more about us or wish to join us for one of our meetings, please reach out. Simply drop us an email at hello at ccm.org.uk. We look forward to connecting with you.
So oh. 